<laughs> Good morning. It's lovely to see you all this morning. It is a wonderful and beautiful day. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to take them and open up with me to our passage this morning. <clears throat> we are in the book of Genesis, chapter 5, verses 25 through 32. <clears throat> Again, that's Genesis chapter 5, verses 25 through 32. Starting in verse 25. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed. This one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toils of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for you have given us immense blessings. You've given us your word. And Father, you have blessed us with your presence. Father, we, we lift up many in our community that are hurting, who are undergoing pain, suffering, hardships, Lord. Please, we ask that you would comfort them. We pray, Father, that you would help to remind us that all rest, all peace, all comfort come from your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, empower me to preach the sermon that you have blessed us with. Use your Spirit so that I may not be magnified, Lord, but you would be. Father, we pray these things in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We've had a very few, very uh, interesting past few years, haven't we? Between 2020 and last year, 2022, we have had at least seven major events in our country's history. The COVID-19 pandemic began in 2020. The same year that we experienced an immigration crisis. During 2021, we faced a failure of the supply chain, making stores like Walmart, these big giant box retails, look empty. Not only that, we saw the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban. The news publishing pictures that were very reminiscent of the fall of Saigon. Last year, 2022, was not much better. Inflation, I'm sorry, inflation ran rampant while Russia raged war with Ukraine. And through all of this, this flurry of activity, 
China continued to prove itself a threat to our national security. We could go on, couldn't we? We could list the most recent banking failures, the continual degradation of our culture, our society. How about the numerous instances of murder, violence that our country has seen? The temperature keeps rising and rising. The news reports continue to show us the chaos of the world around us. <sighs> Look how far we have fallen since the first two chapters of Genesis. Remember what everything was like before there was sin? I don't. It just seems like all we know nowadays are chaos and the consequences of a broken world. But Genesis chapter one, chapters 1 and 2 tells us of a time where everything was indeed perfect, where man had unrestricted communion and fellowship with the Lord. A time where there was no enmity between human beings. There was no death, no disease, no, con no conflict, no suffering, no disability, no hardship, no pain. Just wonderful, glorious peace, harmony, and unity. What happened? Adam and Eve. They sinned, showing us that there is no rest. There is no rest to be found, no comfort to be had in humanity. Our first point this morning is that there is no rest in humanity. None. I think we can understand what Lamech in our passage is feeling. Noah's birth is believed, believed to be roughly 1,000 years after the fall. A thousand years since mankind has been exiled from the Garden of Eden. A thousand years since sin had entered the world. And how bad did things get since Genesis chapter 3? Chapter 4 showed us the very first murder where Cain became jealous over his brother Abel. This was the very first recorded generation after the fall. And already, they're at each other's throats. They can't tolerate each other. The rest of the chapter follows Cain's descent, culminating into a very different Lamech from the one we just read earlier. Cain's Lamech was a polygamist. He rather enjoyed the thought of murdering a young man just because his younger man had the audacity to hit him. Lamech, so thrilled with himself, he composed a song, a song that he shared with his wives, in which he, he saw the very curse that the Lord had laid upon Cain as a blessing, an excuse to do whatever he wanted through whatever means he deemed necessary. What a grim picture. Things are falling. Maybe things will get better, though. Maybe humanity learned its lesson. Maybe, maybe Cain, maybe um, his Lamech were the worst of the worst. Maybe things get better from here on out. Let, let's see if that's true. Let, let's read a little bit from Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, where it says this. 
The Lord saw. What did he see? He saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of his thought, of the thoughts of his heart, was only evil continually. That doesn't sound too hopeful. What an indictment against mankind. In a sense, our ancestors are here being described by the Lord as evil, incapable of doing good, unable to do what is right, despicable, offensive in the eyes of the Lord. But here is the real kicker. Here is the real problem. The greatest tragedy is that we think we're better than our ancestors that we somehow think we're better than they were. We like to think that we're inherently good, that we are actually good people that are somehow coerced, compelled, forced by some sort of societal pressure, by some sort of cultural norm to do evil. But this is not true. No matter how much we try to convince ourselves that we are better than our ancestors, the truth is simply this. Without Christ, we're no more righteous than Cain. Without Christ, we have more in common than this pol- with this polygamous Lamech than we do with the Lamech of our passage. There is nothing within us that we could rest upon for relief, neither for salvation. Matt read Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to read just in one, verses 1 through 3 again because it provides a full picture of our condition. And you were dead in, your, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Dead in sin, following after the prince, the power of the air, i.e., Satan, living in the passions of our flesh by nature, children of wrath. Do we get it? Do we see? There is no rest to be had in us. There is no relief, no comfort in humanity. There is nothing. Stop looking. Within every one of us is a nature that desires disobedience, not obedience, rebellion, not peace. Stop looking to humanity to solve all of your problems. Because here's the thing. We're the cause of so many problems. You can't have murder without sinful human beings. You can't have all sorts of unspeakable crimes without humanity. War, genocide, prejudice, racism, classism, theft, 
lies, bribery, injustice, all acts of horrifying evil. There are not enough books nor libraries to tell of all the sinful and shameful acts done by humanity. What an exhausting existence. I think we can relate with Lamech, can we not? We need rest. We need comfort in a very broken world. Rest from the sinful acts of humanity. Rest from the consequences. Rest from the tiring and exhausting labor that we are subjected to because of sin. Rest and comfort in a world that is utterly devoid of both. A rest that is only found in the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. Our second point, there is rest. There is rest indeed in Jesus Christ. I know that the first point is depressing, it's dark, but we need to understand something. Outside of Christ, there is no rest. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no relief. There's no comfort. There is no hope. But in Jesus Christ, there is rest indeed. Verse 29 of our passage in Genesis is designed to catch our attention because other than Enoch, everyone else in this genealogy has a very similar structure. They were alive, they had kids, and then they died. Noah and Enoch are the only ones that's different. They're the only ones that have just a little bit more written about them. What's interesting is that Noah also becomes one of our main figures in the next three chapters of Genesis. In other words, he is important. But why? Why is he important? Why should we care about this Noah guy? The answer is because he's supposed to show us who Jesus is. (laughs) Noah's name is meant to sound similar to the Hebrew word for rest and comfort. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus himself says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest, rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The parallels are designed to catch our attention. Not only does Noah point to this rest in Christ, but the ark that he builds later on in Genesis also points to the work of the cross. The ark was used by the Lord to save those whom he had called into it. It also stood as a means of judgment to those around it. Only the inhabitants of the ark were saved and were granted rest and relief from the judgment and wrath of the Lord. Similarly, the cross is the tool of salvation 
to those whom the Lord calls and a reminder of the judgment that is to come. The same punishment that Christ endured for sin will be given to those not cleansed for their own sins. Notice in both of these, salvation is exclusive. Salvation is exclusive to the cross. We can't find salvation outside of it. There is no relief outside of Jesus Christ. Just as salvation and relief was not found outside of the ark. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 9 through 11 says this. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Do we see? Do we see it? The rest that we are so desperately searching in this life is found in Jesus Christ. Rest from the endless toil and labor. Rest from the consequences of a broken and sinful world. Rest in the midst of pain and suffering. Joyous, peaceful, comforting rest that is to be found in the arms of our beloved Savior. Are you tired? Are you weary, exhausted from the worries and the difficulties of your life? Do the injustices of the world around us weigh heavily upon you? Are you lost? Are you lost in a sea of hardship, of difficulty? Then why do you keep searching for rest in wrong places? People can't bring you rest. Retreating from problems through addiction, TV, video games, sex, or anything else other than our Savior will not provide the rest that we seek. It is only through Jesus that you may find the rest that you are so desperately searching for. But notice, we're talking about rest and comfort. Being a Christian doesn't suddenly cause all the pain to merely go away. We're never promised that there will never be suffering in this life. If anything, we're guaranteed that we're going to suffer. But we are reminded, 1 Peter 5, verses 67, this, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him. Because? Because why? Because he cares for you. There's going to be pain. There will be suffering. And we will experience the consequences of a sinful world. But... But, 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 we have a God. We have a God that cares for us. We have a God that strengthens us, that comforts us, that brings him to himself. And to provide us with hope 
A God that gives us rest and comfort in the midst of tragedy. A peace in the midst of chaos. A love in the midst of hatred. A love that is so amazing that it would not let us remain without hope. So great is God's love towards us that he wants us to have a deep and a meaningful relationship with him. This wondrous love was demonstrated to us on the cross where Jesus took the full penalty of our sins, a sacrifice that we are reminded in communion. Thank you, Dan. Just as we were just now reminded, there is rest found in Christ alone. And we have an opportunity to remember that this morning through communion, where we commemorate, we remember what Christ has done for us. That is why we practice it. Because the night before Jesus' execution, he, he took his disciples up to an upper room and had a meal with them. With his closest followers, he sat down for dinner and eventually stopped them and ha had this lesson for them and told them to do it regularly, to remember. He first, he took bread and he tore it apart in front of them, saying, this bread is my body. That will be broken for you. He would then take fruit of the vine, and he said, as it was poured out, it will be poured out for you. And so this is something that Christians have practiced and reminded themselves of. This is what Christ has done for us ever since. And all these things would come to pass. But in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we can have rest. We can have forgiveness of our sins if we trust him as our Lord and Savior. And he also told his disciples to practice it regularly. Because I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm a pretty forgetful guy. We can forget what God has done for us so often, so he said do it often. There's nothing magical about the bread and the juice we're going to be drinking this morning. It, it's a reminder of what he has done. So I encourage you, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, join us in this. Whether you're a member at our church or a member at another church. But I, I have to respectfully ask, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would ask that you refrain. It would be meaningless. But if you want to know about this Jesus, the Savior that we have faith in, who, who we trust and we are hoping, ask. Ask me, ask one of the other, other elders, ask one of the other Bigwoods members beside you. We would love to tell you about him. Take a minute. Pray and reflect upon not only the rest that we have in Christ, but also our sin which put him there. And in just another few seconds, we're going to have our elders come forward and serve us. You can come on up and grab it and bring it back to your seats, and then we're going to take it together. We're going to pray take the bread and the cup together.
Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he given thanks and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. At this time, the worship team is going to come back up because after they had done this, they sang songs together. Let's do that. 